challenging, thought-provoking, insightful. This is the Ninja Pastor with Sunday's God in Country with Dr. Sean. Hosted by nationally known speaker, Reverend Dr. Sean Michael Greener. Not your typical reverend. Dr. Sean is a proud U.S. military veteran, former law enforcement officer, founder of the internationally regarded executive protection team. Through his riveting national speaking, this ninja pastor tells it like it is. This show is biblically and politically engaged in the battle to save our country with a pedal to the metal with this Sunday's edition of Sundays with Dr. Sean. Buckle up. Here's your host, the author of the critically acclaimed book, Excellence Killed the Church, How Mediocrity is Destroying America, Reverend Dr. Sean, the Ninja Pastor, with today's message. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us today, Sundays with Dr. Sean, and uh, we're so glad to join you. We're here in Delaware. Uh, Newark, Delaware. So if you are in Delaware, Maryland, Pennsylvania, or New Jersey area, goodness, we've had people from close to uh, uh, Washington, D.C., just outside of D.C. come. So two hours, two-hour ride each way. So, uh, you know, people come from all over, and we would be happy to have you. Now, I always mention, this is Dr. Sean, by the way, the Ninja Pastor. Uh, You can follow me at the Ninja Pastor. Also, just so you know, we are building a brand-new they call them the fan page, but it's not really a fan page. It's all about our listeners and our audience and, and our readers. So we're having a professional company build us a new uh, page on Facebook. And so it'll be much more interactive, but there'll also be a spot for uh, my photography. You look at that. Instead of scouring all over the place, it'll be a whole big spot for it. Then, uh, you know, there'll, there'll be special ways you can just click on to that and listen to the show. It'll be really, really cool. So they're building it now. About seven to ten days, we'll have the first run through. So not for nothing, but you can follow me at Twitter, at the Ninja Pastor, uh, uh, Instagram, too. So I'm always talking. Of, I know. I'm going to preach. I'm not getting another chili dog. So <clears throat> yeah, Stabley is blocking. Um, so tonight we have – I know I always talk about the food, but I just feel like it's important for you to know I'm not kidding about this. Um Chili cheese dogs with chopped onions and shaved cheese. Uh, Hebrew national hot dogs, nice soft buns. We got one, two, three different kinds of chicken. We have fresh fruit of all kinds. We have Rice Krispie treats. We have Milano slices. And then we have, what is this? Uh, Raspberry, blackberry cobbler. Homemade, and she grew the blackberry. So homemade. So look, if if you're hungry, if you're hungry, if you were here, you wouldn't be hungry, and that would be pretty cool. Yeah, chili cheese dog. Folks are asking, am I serious? Are we really, do we really have chili cheese dogs? Yes, but they're Hebrew national, so it's good to go. Real quick before I get into, the, and hand-grated cheese, that's right. Real quick before, I didn't have any of the cheese, though. I'm trying to cut out dairy. What are you going to do? Uh, real quick before I get in the meat of the message, you see what I did there? The meat of the message, just talked about food. <laughs> but I'm bump, right? Uh, so before I get into that, there's a couple things I'm going to give some announcements about uh, Wednesday's show, the collision of faith and politics. So we're working on the guest list now, but one of the guests we know for sure is a best-selling author, incredible speaker, and guest, frequent guest on uh, CNN. He's on the Blaze. He's uh, CNN, MSNBC, NBC, ABC, uh, Fox News, all of those. He's a real, real popular author, best-selling author. He's got another book coming out. 
and his name is Billy Hallowell. And so he's going to be on the show. We're really looking forward to it. Just a quick FYI, we are working on potentially transitioning the time of the Wednesday show uh, instead of four to six or three to five, we're thinking about we're going to try five to seven to see if people, it's easier for them to listen. People coming home from work, it might be easier. I don't know. Uh, 81% of my audience listens on an iPhone, mobile iPhone. So, you know, a smartphone. And so, <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> so anyway, suffice it to say, you know, we're trying to make it easier for people that listen on a smartphone and for people that are driving. So Wednesday, make, make sure there'll be announcements coming out tomorrow. Uh, make sure you listen on Wednesday. So on a sad note, <coughs> I wanted to share with you that this message is uh, dedicated. This message tonight is dedicated to the Baylor Stam family and in memory of Jeffrey Baylor. He lived 24 years and 364 days here on earth. And now he's spending eternity in heaven with Christ. To God be the glory for the great gift of salvation. So this show, please pray for the Baylor and Stam family. Uh, wonderful family. I've known them a long, long time. Um, Mr. Baylor, Tommy Baylor, uh, is, uh, he's, as police work and how to live your life, a great, great man. And, uh, he was absolutely and is my hero. So, uh, he mentored me very early on in the police department, showed me what to do, how to do it and why you were doing it. So doing it the right way, how to be a good cop. So, uh, and, uh, and so Jeanette's uh, eldest child, um, Jeffrey passed away. So literally 24 years and 364 days, one day shy of his 25th birthday. So please, please pray for that family. Wonderful, wonderful people. So I got to this point uh, in the first week of this series, and the, the series is strange and scattered, a holy walk in a hostile world. Uh, but really, uh, what we could say, sanctified and set apart. We could say that too, that would be accurate. So I want to I want to uh, want to share something with you that I was thinking about when I was praying over this message and, and thinking about this series and where I want to take it and where God wants to take it. And this popped into my head. Songs popped in my head. Not always the whole song, usually just a part of it. Who knows? Hallelujah, what morning when I reach for that nail-scarred hand. And I am led from grace to glory on the banks of the promised land. I am bound. For the promised land. And I want to ask you in the radio audience all across the world, we have people listening every, everywhere. Uh, we, have, we have a huge uh, growth in our Australian market last week. Uh, the Sunday message and the Wednesday message, the Australian uh, number of Australian listeners went up by 2.86%. Russia is up to 5%. So I don't know what that's all about. Hello to my buddy Bert in the Ukraine. Please be safe. Special Forces operator retired chose to live in the Ukraine, still an American, proud to live there. So we're going to try to work out me going over there and doing, uh, doing some shows from there, doing some special interviews. He has some unique connections. And I'm going to interview him as well. He's had a, an amazing 30-year career. And his career, you look at him, he's 30 years in the military, but he doesn't look like it. He looks like he's still in the military, much like Drago. You, know, you see Drago from the SEALs, and you know, he's retired, but you look at him, you think he's ready to go to work. So but uh, so our audience is growing all across the world, and we're, we're proud of that. And we're pleased that people are hearing the message, and we're thankful to God. So <clears throat> I was praying about this, and, and uh, when you talk about sanctified and set apart, here's the thing. Sanctified and set apart, 
a lot of people will call it no, uh, what is it, uh, snooty or stuck up. When I was a kid, it was you were stuck up. I don't know if they still say that. Do they still say that, stuck up? That's still a thing? I don't know what they say now, but stuck up was a thing when I was in high school. And I knew a few people that I thought were really stuck up in high school. Well, funny that it is, you know, I was a pretty poor kid. You know, I didn't, didn't have anything fancy. I worked from the age of 13 outside the family business. And, and uh, you know, we didn't get, it wasn't an allowance. There wasn't any of that stuff. You know, I bought my clothes starting at age 13. You get a job, you buy your clothes. And we had to pay rent and all that stuff to mom. And it taught me early on the value, not only of a dollar, but to appreciate the sacrifices that your, your parents make for you. So <clears throat> in thinking about that, uh, I, you know, I haven't been to a bunch of reunions or anything uh, from my graduated from high school, Cape and Lupin High School in Lewis, Delaware, 1983, I graduated. And so there's been a bunch of reunions and all that. But the one that, event that I went to, and since I get messages from people say, hey, I see you on Facebook, I follow you and all this stuff. God bless you. I see you following on Facebook and, and follow what you write and your radio show and all that. Um, and and then they say, you know, uh, yeah, I kind of wanted to be your friend in high school, but you were kind of stuck up. And I was shocked because I know this is going to shock this audience. I was very quiet, very quiet, except in very small groups. I was very, very quiet. And, um, you know, I, I was very pensive. I was an intense kind of kind of kid. And so uh, that said, I was really surprised, and it always kind of makes me laugh because you, your self-image, your self-knowledge, uh, you're not usually you're not very accurate in high school. But if you were a nerd, nowadays it's cool to be a nerd. If you were a nerd and you said I was a nerd, you're probably right. If you identify, self-identify as a nerd, you're probably right. You were a nerd. But for me, we have a raised hand back there from Steve. Thank you for joining us. I know you've had a super busy, super busy day today. So I was thinking about this, and I was thinking about when I was a kid growing up, you know, everybody goes through their different things. I was a country boy. I was raised house in the middle of a farm. And then and then probably 500 yards back, there was a, a set of woods that went down to the creek, Love Creek, and then there was a marsh. Uh, it, was, it was, you know, it was pretty cool. I thought I was the luckiest kid in the world, really, to be able to live there. And I still do. And I'm a, I'm a country person. So where I live, those of you who have been to my house, I think that's the city. For me, that feels like the city. Now, my lifetime, I've worked in the biggest cities in the world. And I have to tell you, I love Prague. Prague is my number one favorite city in the world. But I don't want to live there. Uh, you know, I've been to D.C. hundreds and hundreds of times. I don't want to spend more time there than I have to. New York City, great place, lots of cool things. Don't want to live there. So if I ever did move to those places, I would feel very much like this is not my home. I'm here, but this isn't my home. Now, let's roll out to Idaho or Wyoming or some places in Florida or Montana or you know, some of these places, wide open country. Oh, man. If I'm there, and I, it's hard for me to press the gas pedal or turn the wrist when I used to ride a motorcycle, turn the wrist and, and leave that state. Uh, Idaho, Wyoming, uh, those places are beautiful. Anybody in the live audience, have you ever been there to those places? I mean, they're stunning, right? They take your breath away. On a motorcycle, right, 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 right. And so I thought to myself, man, I, I feel like this is home to me. But the truth of the matter, it wasn't my home. That's not my home. Neither is here, here on earth. This is not our home. Let me read you those words again. It's hallelujah, what a morning when I reach for that nail-scarred hand. And I'm led from grace to glory on the banks of the promised land. I am bound for the promised land. This is not our home. 
This is not our home. So sanctified and set apart, scattered. Scattered. Remember how we ended last week's, uh, the first in this series. 1 John 2, 15 through 17. This is the complete Jewish Bible. Do not love the world or the things of the world. If someone loves the world, then love for the Father is not in him. Because all the things of the world, the desires of the old nature, the desires of the eyes, and the pretensions of life are not from the Father, but from the world. And the world is passing away, along with its desires. But whoever does God's will will remain forever. Now, let me unpack this. We're, we're told to come out from among them. Did you ever think about it? We're supposed to come out from among them, the them, the people of the world. So let's come out from among them. And be separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing. Well, I ask you, who is the them that we are to come out from? Them who? Them who? It's everybody. It's everything. It's anybody who is focused on the world. Anybody who's – I had a guy today. I was a police officer with him and had a, a, a very polite exchange on social media, and, and I did a, a mention uh, about faith, and I thank God that I'm an American. I thank God that I can express myself, something along those lines. And he said, well, I prefer to think that my freedom comes from being born in America. And I think he's an atheist or, or something of that sort, a great guy, really never want to meet a better guy, an excellent professional police officer, really, really good good guy. I served with him and, and super guy. So no animus toward him. Remember, we're not to have animus toward these people. We're not to have animus toward them. They're going to believe or they're not going to believe. You can't force people to believe. You just can't. Let that go. Amen? Can't, you, know, you can if you're an Islam, if you're a Muslim. You know, I'm going to be talking about that. By the way, I'm very privileged. I got invited to speak to the uh, Republican GOP ladies. I'll be doing that on Thursday. So uh, my dear friend, uh, my dear friend, Miss uh, Piazza Gallagher, sweet, sweet lady, she uh, she got that for me and invited me to come. So I'm very, very pleased, and I'm excited to do that. Now, I only have 20 minutes to speak to that group. <laughs> now, it depends. If I speak before lunch, I might be all right because, you know, I'll be hungry. If I speak after lunch, we're in deep trouble. You know, I promised her I'm going to do it. I'm going to really follow the follow the rules. I'm a rule follower, they say. So <clears throat> come out from them. That makes a lot of people think that Christians think they're better than everyone else. You've heard that, right? Well, who do you think you are? What do you think you're better than me? What about if you were never a person of faith and, and you know, you're in a family, you have your friends, you people you go out with, you people do stuff with, all of a sudden you become a person of faith, follower of the way, Christian, convert to, most people don't convert to uh, Judaism straight away. They go through a process. But so whatever faith you come into, you place your faith in Christ. And then all of a sudden, you start adhering to uh, the way, you know, the fo following Christ and, and putting him first and trusting him for what you do. And your friends usually have something to say about it. They are, what do you think you are? And, and family's the worst about it because, you know, they knew what you did. They saw what you did your whole life. And so they're of this impression that all of a sudden, you know, you're sanctified and set apart. You think you're above everybody else. And the truth of the matter is, by the way, chat is open. Thank you very much for folks logging in. Um, but but the truth of the matter is most of us aren't. Now, my dear friend Renee, uh, she posted a message today, and uh, she's a gold star sister, and she uh, she posted a message today. So she went to this church. She j They just moved to this place, and uh, they're trying out churches, and, and uh, she went to this church, and this little bit older lady 
was just so full of herself and, and talking about herself like she's the best Christian ever and other people just never measure up and you know, she'd been in that church forever and you know, she she just had a very bad impression from this lady and, and uh and I replied, Religious Rottweiler. Remember I talk about that all the time. They stand on the porch of the church. I think every church needs to have a porch, but uh stand on the porch of the church and bark at people going by and wonder why they don't want to come in. Be separate. And I'm going to talk about why is it so hard for us to grasp the separate part? Why is it so hard for us? Uh, You know, we've been set apart. We've been sanctified and set apart. We are children of the almighty king. Our father is perfect and present and omnipresent. God, the father, is all of that. You see the trees and the snow and the and the leaves and the birds that we love to see while we're doing this, and the deer that happen to walk by, God, the creator God. We're blessed beyond measure. We, we're so fortunate, so blessed. But we're told to come out from them, and we say, well, we don't want to come out from them, number one. We don't want to act like we're know-it-alls. We know how to act in every situation because we don't. I don't. I'll speak for me. All y'all are perfect, but I'll speak for me. Man, I sure don't. I sure don't. You know, I've lost my testimony once or twice. You know, I wasn't always a preacher. And there's a switch in me that's very easy to flip, you know. You know what my biggest? Litter. can't stand this litter business. Man, people, come on. Pick up your trash. You ever see that driving down the road? I hate that. That's a pet peeve of mine. They just throw everything out. There's trash receptacles every dog on where you get a I bet if I went to those people's house they'd have a hundred of those little bags you get from grocery shopping and whatnot. Now they're terrible bags. You have to put about five bags in order to be able to carry anything. But I, I think to myself, man, you have all those bags at home, why don't you put one in your car and just put your trash in there and throw it in a receptacle? Aggravating, I know. Has nothing to do with this message, but so being separate, separate. Why are we so reluctant as people of faith to separate? I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. And this is where we've really messed up as people of faith. We've really messed up as people of faith because what we do in gatherings, in the community of faith, what we do is we shun people. We shun people. We look down at them. We poke at them. There's a hierarchy, you know, uh, that, that, oh, well, the pastor's perfect. And then from there on out, well, the deacons, they're super perfect and Oh, almost, and then and then you have all the and, and Mrs. So and So, you know, she's played the church organ for forty years, and you know she's darn close to perfect. Just ask her. Uh, and then you know different things, different people. It's the sa- it's the Pharisees, it's the saddest thing I've ever seen. It's the Pharisees. There's so many Pharisees in the church that are looking down, telling people you don't do this right, you're not doing this right, or worse than that, they won't say it to the person's face. They'll say it behind their back, and then it gets to that person, and the person is crushed. They thought, man, I was finally in my church home. I think I finally found my home. You know, I love the music. I love the preaching. But, you know, the people aren't very nice. You come here on a Sunday at 5 o'clock, you'll find out every speech I give, every speech I give, I always tell the audience, listen, I love you, but my favorite audience is my kehala on Sundays. So you'll find you'll find what you're looking for, that missing piece here. But I'm going to tell you so many churches, especially in the postmodern Western Evangelical Church, now, folks, there's churches for every brand. There's there's all kinds. They focus on this or that. Uh, you don't have to, you know, dress a certain way. You come as you are. I'm for that, by the way. I'm totally for that. There's some churches that focus on a certain demographic, and they work real hard at drawing that demographic. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that at all. 
the, the problem is a lot of the churches we get into all across America, whether they're postmodern Western evangelical or old, old denomination, whatever the case may be, there's always that group of people in most of the churches except for Marysville Vineyard, uh, shout out to them. Uh, those folks are getting ready to go in and have their cookies and hot chocolate and tea, and then they're going to go in and hear some good preaching, some anointed preaching, and then there's going to be a prayer meeting breakout, and you just don't know. You just don't know. In this place, Marysville Vineyard down there in Marysville, Ohio, prayer meeting breaks out, praise breaks out. Who in the world knows? Pastor might be preaching. He might His message might even touch himself, and, and there'll be so many tears and praises and shouts of praise. It's just awesome. It's awesome. Goosebumps. Goosebumps, I'll tell you. You feel the spirit of the living God in that place. So so there's a lot of churches all across the country, and I'm not church bashing. I wrote a book called Excellence Killed the Church, uh, How Mediocrity is Destroying America. And in that book, I was just asked about it this week, you know, why do you hate traditional churches so much? And I said, well, what makes you think I hate traditional churches? Well, I read your book, and your book really makes it seem like, I said, well, I don't think you read the whole book. It's a short book. Why did you stop? You read it in an afternoon. Or a morning. I don't care. If you're a morning reader, you can read it in the morning if you want. I'm not forcing anybody to read it at any time of day, but it's small is the point. And I use not very big words. Nice big print. So the point of the matter is, is this person read the book and said, hey, you know what? You know, I get this. You don't like traditional church. And I said, no, 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 no. You've, you've misread me. You've misread me. I don't like traditional churches with a bunch of uh, Rottweilers religious Rottweilers in there. And I don't like people that fake, pretend, uh, act like they're your friend and they want you in. Oh, yes, we're so glad to have you here today. It's wonderful to see you. I see you probably have not been to church before. I notice you have on a miniskirt and you have a few tears in your blue jeans. Typically, I know you probably don't know this because most folks don't wear blue jeans in church. We don't we do not do that. But I, But I'm welcoming you. I want you here. Your hair is a little long. That's a little distracting for the folks behind you in the bar singing. But, you know, we love you. We want you to come. I know a good barber, you know, and we can just help you right out. And you smell a little bit like cigarette smoke. God bless you. We'll pray over you. God release you from that. You know, I noticed you didn't take a shave this morning. Amen. But there's razors. We've got them. You can get them down to the dollar store for a dollar. You know, that type of thing, you know. I've been in churches, and I've stood there, and I've watched it happen. You guys have heard me tell stories about the lady that came in. Rough life, and she lost her life not long after that because the church kind of shunned her away. It's so hard to be set apart and sanctified, live that out in the American church. Why? Because the church is screwing up the sanctified and set apart part. We're casting people out, and we're, we're... we're we're not kind to people in the church. So the people say, well, this being sanctified, we're the place where you're supposed to be sanctified and set apart. Here in the gathering of the saints, we are, oh, you said saints. What do you think? You're a saint? God, I didn't say I'm a saint. God said I am. Praise God. I didn't say I was sanctified. God did. Through a scripture. I'll read you some in case you doubt me. But we really mess it up in the American church. We really mess it up when we, this is the place where we're we're to work on our sanctification. We're to work on our community of faith. We're to work on loving each other, helping each other, nurturing each other, mentoring each other through the process of faith. It's not easy, folks. Scripture talks about that. 2 Corinthians 6.17, by the way, by way of the new birth, we are creatures of another world. For here, we have no continuing city 
but we seek one to come. If you don't like that one, I have another one. Hebrews 13, 14 from the Complete Jewish Bible. But we have no permanent city here. On the contrary, we seek the one to come. I want to break this down for you. It'll be quick and easy. This is at no additional cost or obligation to you. We seek the one to come. There's one city to come, folks. This is it. We're here, and then we're either there or we're spending an eternity in hell. If you don't think that hell is real, just wait you just one minute. Not everybody everybody dies when they anticipate it. Not everybody gets to be old. We're here, and then we're not. We're like a vapor. Lots of folks listening around the world and, 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 and in this country, along with us in the live audience, and there's this tendency to believe that we have forever, right? We have forever. And the reason we believe we have forever is because we're arrogant. We're an arrogant people. We put on that fake humility deal, but the fact of the matter is we're arrogant because we think whatever it is that we're unhealthy or we have unhealthy habits or practices, that's not going to get me because I'm smarter, right? Always. We always think we're smarter. Humility is a strange thing, I'll tell you what, because people can cloak Pretend. It's easy to pretend you're humble. It's easy to pretend that you understand that in a moment, a lightning strike from east to west, it's over. Splits the sky. East, to, It's over. It's faster than a snap of your hand. Folks, it could. It, people always say to bus. I get hit by a bus. You know, I step off a curb and get hit by a bus. Do you know how you avoid that? Will you please look both ways? That's easy. I just solved a lot of problems, folks. Nobody has to get hit by a bus. If you listen to this show, share it with a friend. You don't have to get hit by a bus. That's free, too. That's, I need to pay an extra for that. My point is this, is you don't know. I mean, uh, my car crash, I'm driving home. I'm good to go. 6, 17, and 58 seconds, I'm a happy camper. Can't wait to get me some food on, go see my doggy and my people. But what happened? In an instant, one one-hundredth of a second, as fast as my reflexes were, as skilled and professional a driver as I was, all of these things, as trained as I was, it still came to get me. Somebody shooting me didn't get me, didn't kill me. Falling out of a two-and-a-half-story building and landing on a car, that didn't kill me. Lots of things have come to try to kill me, and they didn't win. Some 19-year-old punk driving a car like an idiot all day long, a borrowed car, almost got me. You're not going to see it coming most likely. You're not going to see it coming. It's not always that long, courageous battle with the dreaded disease, and finally we surrender. Our body surrenders to it. Rest in peace to Chuck Berry, by the way, 90 years old. Father of rock and roll, I I, seem, I believe that. I, he's, he was awesome and a great, great guy. Everybody lived in Missouri, loved, loved the people. People loved him. Nobody, they all thought he was a hero, his neighbors and friends. But he was a regular guy. People used to stop over. And he had a porch, by the way. That's class when you have a porch, I think. We have no permanent city here. On the contrary, the one. We seek the one. It doesn't say we seek a city to come. It says the one. You're going to get into one city, or you're not. You're going to get into the one city to come, or you're going to be cast into an ever I hate to say this, folks. Nobody likes to talk about this in America. And never ending. You'll never have your thirst quenched. You will never have peace again. Utter darkness, sorrow, sulfur, pain. It's real. It's one city, folks. Do you, we get that? Nod your head. The one to come. To come. It's coming. 
the city that I'm talking about is coming. It's coming. Thank you, by the way. Some folks said somebody's preaching the gospel tonight. Thank you for that. Amen. It's an honor to do so. Look, let me say this. God's people are scattered. We're scattered. Now, I, I want to say this. I talked about this last week. Who all was there in the live audience last week down in Milltown? So, okay, so what do we talk about? We talk about those three churches. Nothing against them. Good, good people, great people. Three churches, and they all have building programs that they're going about. They bought, bought the land. One actually didn't buy the land. They were given the land, which, praise God, that's awesome. Millions of dollars worth of land. We're not talking about cheap land. We're not talking about landfill. We're talking about really good land, prime real estate, that somebody said, hey, I have this land. Would you like it? I'm praying that somebody on a fishing lodge and a, on a lake uh, has this uh, cabin that they say, we've been really praying about this. We want to give you that, that place. You can just go ahead there, you know. I'm praying about that. I think I'll be praying a while. Good to pray a while, though. Doesn't hurt anything. <laughs> so so they've got these three churches that are there in a, in a small town, but growing town, fast-growing town in Middletown, Delaware. And you know what else? Three churches are spending millions of dollars each to do virtually the same thing. Well, what could we do? What could we do if we if we pulled our resources together and say, hey, I agree with you, you agree with me. You know, we have a few things we disagree with, but let's build something that – does more than just for this group. Why are we competing for an audience? Why are we competing for people? Some churches, I'm not saying either of these churches, they're all good people. I've met, I think, all but one of the leaders of the churches, and they're good people. And I'm going to assume the one I didn't meet is a good person too. It's not about dollars and cents. A lot of people say, oh, yeah, they want butts in the seats so they can have folding money in the, in the, uh, the offering box. I don't think it's always that. I think a lot of pastors, especially the ones I've been with, you know, a lot of times they're good people, but there is a group of people, it's all about that, how big the church is, how much money is your budget. Pastors' conferences, I don't go unless I'm the keynote speaker anymore because that's the first thing. Well, you know, what is your church? And, you know, you have a website, and do you have a, uh, you know, what's your what's your budget? I always love that when pastors ask what your budget is. You know, that's the that's the, the CEO pastor deal to find out how big your church is, how successful your church is, how big is your budget. What are you, what are you running on Sundays? You know, I had one guy tell me they do seven services on Sunday. I couldn't believe it. I said, you can get more than three or four chairs. You fit everybody in at once. You get ten chairs, you're good to go. He didn't like that. He was offended. That's okay. But God's people are scattered, and sometimes we do all the scattering ourselves. Why? Because we divide ourselves over stupid stuff. It is. It's stupid stuff half the time. Now, some folks, they just don't believe what the Bible says. You can't sit in a church and believe what the pastor says if, he does, if he's not preaching Scripture. You just can't, you know, and, 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 uh, some folks, you know, I hear this all the time. Well, I love, I love this church all except for the preaching. <laughs> I think to myself, what? Come on now. It gotta be more to it than that. It's gotta be the preaching and something else you love, or I love the preaching, but you know, I don't like the, the worship music or I don't like the coffee they serve. I actually heard that one time. You know that? You know, churches now, they want to be coffee shops. I'm not against that. But the people, you give people something, they will find a way to complain. My goodness. Well, I, I like that church art. It, it's it's all right, but mm, the coffee is terrible. And they were all indignant about it, you know. The coffee's terrible. 
I thought to myself, well, would you get you a cup of coffee? Go, go, go to go to uh, you know, a place that sells coffee, and you can fix your. Oh, here's an idea. Once you make you one at home, you're such an expert on making coffee. Make you one at home. Carry it in there. Get you one of those non-spill things because there's nothing that works me more than people spilling coffee, you know, in the church. And what they do, you know, they carry it into the uh, auditorium. They take their foot and they rub their foot on it like that's magical. Disappear. It's magic. Oh, I hate that. It kills me. So we separate ourselves. We're we're scattered. Kepha, who is Peter, an apostle of Yeshua Hamashiach, means Jesus the Messiah. To the strangers scattered. That's First Peter, one one. To the strangers scattered. Strangers scattered and strange. Strangers, right? What the 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 root of stranger is strange. Are we except for my buddy Charlie Strange? God bless him. I love that dude. You get a hug from Charlie, you got a hug. You you you've done been hugged if you get Charlie Strange to hug you. So, but strange. I mean. We are not. There's. There's a. I'm gonna skip ahead. I'll skip ahead because I'm gonna talk about that in a minute. But not only are we strangers, we're scattered. Scattered all over the place. You got this church here, that church there, this church here, that church. You know, a state the size of this one, with the number of different churches, just astounds me. Because everybody thinks we. No, they didn't do it right. They didn't do it right. We're gonna do it right here. And oh, who said that? Did you just say that? She did. Yes, she did, too. I'm not going to say her name, but she she spoke out. She went there. Ego. When I go to these, I used to go to these pastors' conferences, I, I, I just can't do it now. I can't do it unless I can go up there, speak, sear their eyebrows, and go out a side door. I will walk out the front, though, but if it doesn't bother me if they if they want to argue with me. That's fine. But usually their feelings are so hurt, they're, they're, I won't buy his book, you know, all this. But it's ego. That's why they say what what their dollar, how many dollars they're pulling into the offering and what their budget is and how many people how many rears in the seat and all this stuff. Well, we have about have one guy one time tell me, well we have a balcony. He said it just like that. Well, well we have a balcony. Okay, what do you mean by that? We have a balcony. Your church is so big; it's a double decker church. He did not like that. He thought I was poking fun, and I was. So not only are we strangers, we're scattered. The word scattered comes from this word diaspora, diaspora. And it carries the idea of that which is sown. And it was derived originally from a Hebrew word describing the farmer sowing seed in the field. And this is how they used to do it, right? You had you had a sack of seed and you you walked like this and you took a certain size step. Radio once is like, like what? Like what? What's he doing? How's he walking? What special way to, we're missing the special way, the Hebrew way to just walk and spread and seed. That's all they did. It was real simple. Paired the soil, though. And I have to say, uh, you know, I said I grew up on a farm, and I was not a farmer, although I like to think I was, because Mr. Hill used to let me ride in a tractor, used to let me, used to get me in so much trouble, but they'd have that combine emptying out the corn into the big, I used to like, now I find out that's deadly and you can die from that. Uh, I was right down in there and he'd laugh. He'd be up there laughing as he was moving that corn, shooting out at this high rate of speed. I'd be laughing, trying to climb up the mountain of corn, you know, and I'd get my head up there. Now I'm talking about I was a little kid and I'd poke my head up. He'd wave at me and laugh and I'd go right back down there, climb right back up the mountain. You know, it was, I know, what are you going to do? But I survived, right? I guess I'm not a snowflake or a, or a um, safe space sissy. But I do love farming and farmers. Farmers are special. It's tough, unpredictable life. I prefer to think of farming as a calling, and I, 
I do believe fully that farming is a calling from God, dating all the way back to the beginnings of time. But even though they're called by God, this is a calling by God. God has said, hey, you need to be a farmer. Let me say this. This is free of charge, no cost or obligation to you too. The number one reason, I'm going to give you two reasons why farms are being turned into housing developments. Number one reason is not what you think it is. What do you think it is? Who in the live audience, what do you think? Right, the estate tax, the death tax. The death tax, that's actually number two. The number one reason is because the sons that are inheriting the farm can't find suitable women to marry that want to be married to a farmer. You believe that? That's the number one thing. Number one thing. But you know what? They're called by God. And even though I know and I understand that, farmers have it very tough. Many obstacles coming at them every moment of every day. And it's almost as though farmers are constantly under attack. This, I used to laugh about this, but I don't laugh anymore because it drives me crazy. They're under attack from the weather. That's, that's a thing, right? Weather is unpredictable. You don't know. Is it going to rain enough? Is it going to rain too much? Is it going to start raining too early? Is it going to rain, too, you know, too long? Drainage from all these, uh, all these developments all around them now is a real big problem for farmers, right, because they're sucking the water into basins, draining catch basins. Well, what happens? Yes, that's great that the water doesn't run all over the place willy-nilly, but guess what happens? It retains it right there, and it doesn't spread over the landmass so that the, the ground can be properly hydrated. City folk, this kills me. Well, regulatory restrictions. We know of a guy who uh, we have good friends, Liz and Charlie, and they told me a story about how a fella took a tractor from one side of the road to the other they own. They own the field on both sides, and because he got mud from the tractor tires on the road, he got cited for a huge amount of money. Yeah, it's just insane. It's insane, these regulations. But this is when it gets me. City folk neighbors, right? There's a development uh, you know, adjacent to a farm. Now, the farm been there 150 years. 150 years this farm's been there. In fact, that farm was there, came in, and they said, Oh, you know, honey, what we want to do? We want to move to the country. So, yeah, let's look around for a country house. We're going to go to a country house. We're going to look around. We're going to find a beautiful one out in the country. That's what we like, right? And so they drive, and there's this development there. Now the roads aren't fully in. There's a couple houses up. The model house always looks beautiful, you know, and the beautifully decorated lawn and flowers and whatnot, pretty furniture throughout. Some professional came in and said, you put this here, put that there. It'll sell. it look great. Then what happens? They say, well, you know what? We want to buy this. We want to live here. This is going to be great. We want to move to the country. First thing they do when they get moved in is they go, you know, that stinks. <laughs> that smell is terrible. My gosh, was that here when we were here? They start complaining. This is what the farmers have to deal with. They usually won't go to the farmer and say, hey, is there anything you can do? Your 500 cows really smell bad. They don't do that. What do they do? They call up their... They're represented, and they say, now, we just moved to your fine fine little country town here that they're trying to not make country anymore, but they want to move to the country. The smells are terrible. Somebody should do something about this. This drives me insane. Does it have anything to do with this message? Probably not. I'm just confessing to you a little bit of counseling time for me. It drives me crazy. Ew, I don't like how the country smells. Now, they moved there. How insane is that? It always cracks me up. makes me mad now. But don't forget about farmers' face. Uh, price and market fluctuations in the farm commodity market. It goes up and down. It's, it's, 
you never know what you're going to get paid for. You know what you paid to do it, but you don't know what you're going to get paid at the end when you've done all this work. You're putting your stuff to market. Hey, look, how about this? Ever-changing fads. You say, what does fad have to do? A fad have to do with farmers' profitability. Everything. Who remembers when uh, farm fresh butter? Oh, that's the worst thing in the world. That'll kill you. Tell you what, let's do. Let's give you something, one molecule from plastic. Let's give you margarine. Give you some margarine. We're going to call, thank God it's not, what is it? What's the name of it? I can't believe, I said, thank God it's not butter. I can't believe, that was a Freudian slip right there. I can, now, I have Irish uh, carry butter, thanks to Andy back there. What is it, carry gold? Grass? Oh, you know I have a lot of it, a whole shelf of it. It's That's right. We got a shelf dedicated to carry gold. That, but watch and see if they don't give me a call and say, hey, we'd like to sponsor your show. They won't do it. I know they won't. But remember when that was the worst thing in the world to eat? All these experts talking about, Mm-mm, don't you eat no butter now. Butter will kill you. Get you some margarine. That's good. Turns out real butter is the best for you. How about eggs? Right? I eat a lot of eggs. I straight up eat a lot of eggs. You need to, you need certain things, elements from eggs for your brain and all that stuff, especially for me post-crash. You remember when eggs were going to kill every human being on the planet? My goodness. Let's, let's Look, this is something from another country there. Foisted these eggs on us. Now what are we going to do? Now, I remember when I was a kid. You know, I grew up on a farm, like I said earlier, and I wasn't kidding. I walked across the street to Mr. Hart. Mr. Hart had eggs. He didn't have. He had eggs, but he had eggs because he had chickens. That's how that works. And uh, I would walk across there. Mom would say, "Hey, go over there and get us some eggs from Mr. Mr. Hart." And so I would go over, and right, I'd have the money in my hand. I dare not put it in my pocket because if I had a hole in my pocket and I lose those quarters in the field, I mean, I walked across the field. I said I was. It was really a farm. And uh, so I held them in my hand real tight. You know, I was just a little kid. You know, and I mean, it was a, a fair distance there. I would go, and I'd knock on Mr. Hart's door, standing all t- Mr. Hart, sir, could I get some eggs? My mom said she ordered some eggs. Well, these eggs didn't get trucked in. They got taken out of the uh, coop that morning, right? And it was probably about, you know, eight or nine, and they'd already been taken out of there from underneath the laying hens, and there they are in a basket with some straw in it. I would walk back over, proud as could be. You know, well, that basket got pretty heavy. I was a little, slight, little skinny kid, man. And I would be so excited, you know, get there. Oh, man, I hope I don't fall, break these eggs, right? Get there. We'd eat eggs that morning. That were late that morning, we'd eat those eggs right then. Best thing ever. Best thing ever. My goodness, it was good. But all of a sudden, they tell us, oh, eggs are bad. They're going to kill you. I have to tell you, my mom and dad, they never did listen to that. But how often are the experts terribly wrong? Really about almost everything. How often are they? Almost all the time. Yeah, what is it? Say it again. 50% of what you learn is going to be wrong in medical school. Trouble is, we don't know what 50%. That's a doctor telling us that. See, we have, we have good people up in this place. Farmers have to, look, they have to work against all that. They have to work against all that. And, and to the scattering of the seed, the preparing of the soil, it's the very start of life. Why aren't farmers revered? No farms, no food. You see those bumper stickers? Usually on farm trucks. Good, humble people sitting there. They've, they've worked, they got up before everybody else got up, and they're already at work. Their day's half over by 10 a.m. Hard work. 
good people. It's the start of life somehow or another. Why aren't farmers heroes? I don't understand that. They're heroes. Why they get pushed out of their land? Doesn't have anything to do with the thing. Maybe it does. If you stop to think about it, starting uh, a scattering is the start of many good things that don't seem readily good at the outset, right? The scattering in some things it just doesn't seem like it's the it's it's a good thing. But then you get a little further down the road and you realize, well, that's good that we were scattered like that. Sometimes we have to be scattered. But now the politically correct and postmodern Western evangelical human cry nowadays is to unify. We want unity. We want come together. All that stuff. Now you might say, you're contradicting yourself, Dr. Sean, because you just told us, why don't those churches pool their money and create something big that will help a lot of people? Uh, you know, Why not come together? Bring those congregations together and create a team, a force multiplier for the good of the gospel and Christ and feeding people. I Look, I'm telling you, I'm not kidding about that. But put in a big kitchen. Put in a learning center. Put in a place where people bring their clothes and somebody sits there and sews them up and, and fixes them up. And, and people that need to dress better to try to get a job. Uh, prisoners getting out of prison, they can't get jobs. They don't train them. Poor people that haven't had. Veterans. Let's not focus so much on the opulence of of the of the 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 sanctuary and the outside part you know that is that is just so mind-blowing man people want to come in they see this now i'm all for creating a church that looks beautiful i am i am but opulence come on that's a little silly but we hear unify uh unity come together all that time sounds really good but you've got to ask yourself who am i coming together with look if those groups of believers so drastically disagreed with one another they were so different uh, theologically, biblically, one follows the Bible, one doesn't. Well, they can't come together. They can't. They're unlike. They're unlike. You can't put unlike seeds together. You can't plant, oh, this plant, you know, you just mix them up in the, you know, because I know how it works because I've watched it. Don't tell my mom. Thank God she doesn't have the Internet. But I used to stand on where the tractor, uh, the tractor's here, and then it had the, the thing with the seeds in it. I used to stand on the back of the tractor and hold on. He, Mr. Hill would let me go one or two times back and forth. After that, he said, all right, you got to go, kid. Uh, but I would hold on. I'd be looking. I'd be watching the seeds pop out, right? You put, if you're going to plant soybean, guess what? You better put soybean in all the all the, the hoppers. If you're going to plant corn, guess what you better do? You better put corn in all the hoppers. What you don't do is you don't get see. well, maybe we'll mix it up. Let's see what it's going to be. Let's put some barley and some rice and I don't know, a cornucopia thing, maybe some flowers, right? You don't do that. You plant like seeds. Like, that's how it works. You've got to know who you're coming together with. You've got to believe the same thing. The farmer even knows. He knows you don't just plant unlike seeds all together. Even, look, let's be fair. I'm looking at gardening things, so I, don't, I can't bend over real well. So I'm looking at ogling, basically drooling over these raised garden things so you can stand there and do your planting and all that. I tried it. I can't do it. After the crash, I just can't bend over. Usually I fall over. You know, and then I got to figure out how to get up, which I always do. But the point of the matter is, for now, I always do. Uh, by the way, found a dead snake in my backyard the other day. Sad. Snakes are beneficial, man. I wish I'd have found him when he was struggling. I'd have nursed him back. I just. She's a chicken. Don't worry about that. So we can all agree. But the background gardener. What I want to say about the background gardener. The background gardener. Even the background garden knows you just can't put a bunch of different things in the same hole and think it's going to turn out good. You just can't. It doesn't work that way. So we can all agree that unity just for the sake of unity is foolhardy and ill-advised. 
But further, it's simply unproductive. You can tell it's unproductive by the fruit such misplaced unity yields. Now, I talked about the diaspora, the dispersion. This was a term understood by Jews to mean all the Jews who had been scattered abroad. Why had they been scattered? Persecution. Man, it was tough for them coming from where they came from, right? And then, you know, they scattered into the diaspora all over. But they didn't do it just for fun. Well, we don't like the coffee here. They didn't do it for that. They didn't do it for that. They were scattered abroad through persecution, and it was tough. Persecution, they didn't, it wasn't that they were wearing their sandals too tight. Oh, I have to get new sandals, so they're too tight, or these aren't the seasons. I'm wearing the wrong seasons, or I wore my white sandals before Labor Memorial Day, whatever it is. I never understood that. I always did want me. I did have this, by the way. When I was a little kid, I had a green leisure suit. You better believe it. And I loved it so much, I got one of my school pictures taken in it. You better believe. I'm putting it on the Internet. You watch and see. I'll trend on the Internet. Not for a good thing, of course. Hashtag can't dress. Hashtag take his Internet away. So in the context, Kepha, or Peter, he's writing to the Jews who were scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. Now, these were all provinces of Asia Minor. But it doesn't matter whether it's Pontus or Pennsylvania, Galatia or Georgia, Cappadocia or California, Asia or Alabama. Bithynia or Birmingham? I named Alabama twice there. You see, no, I like the South. Good people down in Alabama. But like a farmer sows a seed in his field, the Lord sows Hamashiach. I'll just say Christians, but there's a way to say it in, in Hebrew. It's hard to pronounce. But Christians or believers or followers of the way throughout the fields of the world. We've been scattered out in the fields of the world. In the book of Acts, God allowed persecution to scatter his people for the purpose of Spreading the good news of the gospel. I want you to think about that. There was You're going to be spread throughout the world. Hebrews stayed right there. The Jews stayed right there. That's where the faith would be. But they scattered throughout the whole world. And the faith scattered throughout the world. That's, that's awesome. It's just like, I know this is a little bit of a, for some people, a gross thing. But I like nature, so it's not gross to me. You know, I love feeding the songbirds. I like feeding all, all of them, really. I don't even get mad at the blackbirds when they come in and, trash you know 40 pounds of seed in about 10 seconds they have to eat too but these songbirds come in i have a bunch of bluebirds uh that came in and i, I have to tell you I, I just sit in awe of them just in awe and i think about that and then they fly somewhere and then you know they have to do their business and and a seed will pop up i have sunflowers i guarantee you, i've never planted a sunflower in my yard ever 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 although i love them a sunflower i never planted one ever in my yard but the birds did. The birds did. It's fascinating. Go back there and look. I've had corn, uh, you know, corn shoot up, and you don't always want to grow that. I always want that. I'm going to have a little corn on the cob, you know, a little homegrown organic corn on the cob right there in my backyard. But I want you to think about this. You are where you are because God has put you there to spread the gospel. God's people are selected, and, and as God's people, we are elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. That's from first according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. Here's a subject that is the springboard for a great deal of controversy. There's a lot of controversy on this. However, we've got to keep in mind that God's election cannot be divorced from his foreknowledge. Now, the foreknowledge of God is the basis for his election. God is timeless. Based upon anything except for God's foreknowledge, election would be fatalistic, depriving man of his free choice, which the Bible commands him to exercise. 
Now, if we're going to understand how God elects man, we're going to have to accept what the Bible says about God's foreknowledge. Now, I want you to notice, the Holy Spirit-inspired order of foreknowledge and election, elect according to the foreknowledge of God. So you can't get this out of order. Some attempt to teach that God foreknew the elect because he had pre-selected them to be saved. We have to see that election is according to the foreknowledge. It does not say foreknowledge according to his election. No. A thousand times no. It doesn't say that. We have to be honest. We have to read the Bible in truth. We have to understand it as God wrote it. That's why it's important. Folks, if you don't have you a Bible and you're too poor, your resources are bad, you just you just not in a place to get a Bible, get a hold of this ministry, we will get you a Bible post haste. By the end of this week, you will have a Bible. You go to the website, hit contact me, get a hold of me, say, Pastor, I can't I don't have any money for a Bible. I'm barely making it. Would you please send me a Bible? We'll send you a Bible. You'll have a Bible by the end of the week. Bet on it. But the Bible makes it clear that God's election is based upon his foreknowledge. Now, I said all that about the Bible because this is one of the things you want to get as soon as you get your Bible, unless you can get a study Bible, you know, and, and you're willing to go through and kind of understand, well, this means that, and those word study Bibles are great Bibles. Uh, you know, I love them all. I've never read a, most Bibles I like a whole lot. And I like to buy, especially if I don't have it. But the point is, is it's good to have a commentary or study helps to help you. So if you're new to all this, all of what I just said is probably, oh, man, he lost me. Hang in there. Hang, don't quit on it. If you're trying to get in shape, you don't quit on proper eating, clean eating, and exercising right away. This is your life. Man, look, health and wellness. I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan. I am. But this is way more important than that. Now, I'm not saying, Pastor said, I don't have to eat right or, or exercise anymore because this is more important. No, I'm not saying that. You do it all because God gave you that Bible. Foreknowledge is the act whereby God, based upon his omniscience, looked down through the ages and seeing who would come to Hamashiach, which is the Messiah, to be saved. He elected them and predestined them to be conformed to the image of Hamashiach. Now, let me say this about that. God's people are sanctified. Don't look. I got a lot of problems in, in my life. You know, I got a lot of struggles and, and all that physical stuff. And some would say, boy, you got a lot of mental struggles too. Most of them don't say it to my face. But uh, but that's true. And we only have a couple minutes left. And there's a whole other part of this next week. I'm encouraging you, bookmark this time. Go back and listen to this message a few times. Because what we spoke of tonight is going to be very important for next Sunday. It'll be very important. Through sanctification of the spirit unto obedience. The word sanctify means to be set apart for special service. Now the text says that this sanctifying work is accomplished by the Holy Spirit. The sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit is the act whereby he works in the life of the believer to free him from the world, from the flesh, from the devil, while at the same time separating him unto Hamashiach for special service. Sanctification, it's a threefold service and uh, threefold work and, and we're gonna talk about that. Next week we're gonna talk about the different the different types of sanctification and why it's important. We have to understand why it's important and what the different things mean. And I'm gonna make it very simple to be plain, very plain spoken. But I want to remind you of this. Listen, we're in this life together. We don't like to think that we are. Now some people and some peoples are enemies. They're enemies of us. You, you can't run around in life and ignore things that are going to absolutely jeopardize your life. They're not going to believe how you believe no matter what. I talk about it all the time. No sense in re-mentioning it here, but I, 
go to my website, theninjapastor.com, drshawngreener.com. Go over to listen. You can listen to hundreds of hours of messages on that. But for now, I want the Christians, the believers, the people of faith, my Jewish friends, listen, we're in this together. We've got to stop thinking. We're, we're, we've got to quit fighting each other. We've got to quit this mess. You know, you can come into community, but if you're in community with the wrong people, you're in deep trouble. There's nothing worse than thinking somebody's your friend. You invite them into your closed circle. We're like-minded. You invite them into your closed circle, and then you find out they're not. Topples governments. Topples nations. Entire governments, entire peoples have been toppled because somebody was in a place where they shouldn't have been, but they pretended and they were allowed to be there. And then we found out too late that they were an unlike seed. I want to say this again, uh, and it's very, very important. Tonight's message is dedicated. Uh, and, and really, I have to say, this family has been very pivotal in my life through very, very tough times and, and great times. Some of the funnest times I've ever had were with Tom Baylor. And his grandson passed away. Jeffrey passed away. I, I want you to pray for them. Also, I would love for you to pray for uh, Carson. Carson's having some rough time. And so uh, pray for both of them. And uh, there's, there's a, we could have a, I encourage you, write down your, and my buddy Chris, tough times, folks, real tough times. So pray for these people. But specifically the Baylor and Stam family, uh, in memory of Jeffrey Baylor, 24 years. Listen, I pray to God. God takes me even one moment, one moment before I have to suffer this pain. I'll tell you, uh, Tom wrote a beautiful letter um, to be read at the funeral, and it was powerful. It was a gospel message. And uh, Jeanette, his mother, uh, Jeffrey's mother, Tom's daughter, and Jeffrey's the one that passed, uh, read something she wrote the night before because she was just struggling. Didn't know what to say. It was honest, and it was raw, and it was beautiful, and it was real. And it really touched a lot of people's hearts for the gospel. But I said this before, 24 years, 364 days here on earth, and now eternity in heaven with Christ. To God be the glory. I want to read these words one more time. And I want you to pray on these words all week long. Hallelujah, what a morning. When I reach for that nail-scarred hand, and I'm led from grace to glory, on the banks of the promised land. I am bound for the promised land. Ask yourself this week, am I bound? Am I en route to the promised land? Do you understand what it means to be a child of the king? That's the most important question you will ever answer in your life. And if you wait too long, it will be answered for you. Join us next time for Sundays with Dr. Sean. And please follow this show and the Collision of Faith and Politics radio show during the week at www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash The Ninja Pastor. And follow Dr. Sean on Twitter at The Ninja Pastor and on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash God in Country Radio. And check out all the free messages, archive shows, and buy Dr. Sean's critically acclaimed book, Excellence Killed the Church, How Mediocrity is Destroying America, at www.drshawngreener.com. Join us during the week. And in the meantime, 
Dr. Sean will be fighting for you and for this great country.